The final frontier begins. This is about saving the future of humanity. This is a huge victory for the good guys. You've never seen Voyager. Commitment to this course of action is not emotional. Shuddy! Beam us up. Welcome to another episode of Beam Me Up, a Star Trek podcast. I am Brent Allen, and I've seen every episode of Star Trek 47 times. And I'm Matt Sonnenberg, and this is my first time through the series. And this is the show where we are on a mission to introduce people to the universe of Star Trek by watching the most important episodes that deal with the lore, the history, and the amazing characters and the timeless messages of Star Trek. And Brent... I've just run out of ideas. So I'm just going to tell people head over to the website. I even fixed another bug we had where you couldn't get back to the homepage, but that's fixed. Now you can just click on the logo in the upper left-hand corner. And there you go. Beamyuppod.com. Go check it out. Let us know what you think. Let us find, let us know if you find any other bugs along the way. I'll try to fix them. Today's episode is the 22nd episode of season two of deep space nine entitled the wire or as I like to call it, the one where Garrick's brain is about to explode. In case you guys don't remember or didn't watch this one first, in this episode, Garrick goes a little crazy when a device in his brain begins to malfunction, and we learn a lot about Garrick's origin story. Or do we? Now, Matt, before we get into the recap of this episode, I am curious on some of your overall thoughts and reactions to this episode. I know you like the origin stories. Mm-hmm. This kind of was one. Maybe, maybe not. Kind of. What did you, what's your <laughs> overall reaction to this episode, The Wire? Overall, I would not have labeled it as an origin story. I guess you're right. By the end of it, we do have some information. I did make some notes about that, but this is this is a Dr. Bashir episode. Mm-hmm. This is something that I, maybe they've done in other series, but I don't know that we watched those episodes too much, you know, focusing on the doctor. So it was kind of interesting to see. It, it wasn't just he got the opening scene. Hey, we're going to give the doctor some screen time. No, this episode followed him around pretty consistently. Sure. And so that was that was a little bit of a different thing. And I, I think I kind of like Bashir. Yeah, but really seen too much of him. Yeah, Bashir really starts to grow on you. Um, he the first season, if you remember, they they kind of did him wrong and they painted him into a really weird corner. Um, and and the writers have slowly been pulling him out of that and giving okay. him his own his own deal. And and Bashir Bashir is an interesting, I think, character study. Uh and, and we can talk about this when we get to the end of of Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. But when you think of who a character is in the beginning of a series versus who that character winds up being as the writers have developed the character over the course of seven seasons, Bashir is one of the more fascinating. He's definitely maybe not fascinating. He's one of the characters that experiences the most growth as a character. Uh, I, I think for sure. So, um, well, we'll get into all the crazy little details, but you, you do, you say this is a, a Bashir episode. I got to tell you, this is one of my personal favorite episodes. When I okay. when I talk about the early seasons of Deep Space Nine, kind of having some rough episodes, uh, people that have heard me talk about this, uh, you know, usually I say that those first several seasons, they have some rough episodes, but they have they have a really terrific episode every once in a while, which is enough to get you through the next bunch of 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 hard episodes. 
this is one of those episodes to me that's like, okay, now we're going somewhere and I can, I can keep going with this. I love the nature of this episode. The, the constant question of like, what's real, what's truth, what's a lie. Uh, I like the, the twist at the end where we find out who Elam is the entire time. Uh, I even love the, that was a surprise. Yeah. And I love the fact that at the, Oh, and here's the question. Is that even it? Because, you know, we, we get to the end, like at the end of this episode, we still don't really know that much about Garrick, but we know a whole lot more about him than we ever did. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, the the ending line, good ending that, that ending line where, you know, he's like, you know, what, what was, you know, was it true? What about the lies? And he goes, my dear doctor, it was all true, especially Mm -hmm. the lies. And I'm like, Oh, that's just, it's so great. I I just, I loved it so much. what, What do you think about that? I couldn't come up with any way that they could all be true. Right. But right. I, I, I get the idea that he's going for here. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about that just a little bit. Cause I don't know that this is going to come up later in our discussion, but the, the inspiration for this episode came from the movie Schindler's list. Matt, have you ever seen Schindler's list? I have not actually sat down and watched that movie. Okay. It came out in the mid nineties, I believe 19. It came out when this episode was being written. Okay. Like it was in theaters and, when this episode was being written. Yeah. Okay. I, I, cause I remember it being a big deal. It was very, you know, kind of adult themed movie. Mm-hmm. And I believe my sister wanted to watch it maybe. Mm-hmm. And so like my mom sat down and watched it with her, mm-hmm. but I I think at that time I either wasn't allowed to, or I just didn't care to. Do, like, do you know what the movie is about? Me. Uh, it, it's, I think it's the Germans. It, yeah. It's set during Nazi, and, Nazi world war two. Yeah. And there's a, a German businessman who basically hires or conscripts, uh, tons and tons of Jewish people. And he basically saves them and he, he yeah. gets them smuggled away to, to safety. And he continually does this through his business. And, um, the, the writers were kind of sitting around going, okay, well, who is Garrick? Like, why is he exiled? Like they were trying to figure that out. They still hadn't landed that like as a, as a script writing team yet. And mm-hmm. they said, well, maybe he's Schindler. Maybe that's the reason why, like he, maybe he had these passengers and he, you know, he got them out and got them to safety and, and now he's there. And then they're like, Oh, but, but what if he wasn't Schindler? What if he was the butcher of Budapest and he was the guy who was actually responsible for killing everybody? And, oh, what if it's <laughs> like, they kept spinning all these, all these ideas and, and they that put event, them all in one episode. They did. They, they said, you know, maybe he lied and maybe he didn't lie. Maybe nobody knew. And, and, and they basically just went to, okay, well maybe he let the prisoners go or maybe he shot all the prisoners or maybe he was feeling guilty. Maybe he wasn't feeling guilty. Is he in exile? Is he not in exile? Like, was he sent there by the government or is he sent there by this, this other guy? Is he a spy? Is he like, they, they kept that spinning and they said that that's how the story came about actually for what they have here and what we eventually get on screen. Uh, Andrew Robinson, who plays Garrick said, uh, he said, even if you didn't know that Garrick was telling the truth or not, you knew that he was emotionally telling the truth and that's how he played it. Uh, but he loved the fact that this episode was written as ambiguous as it is. And he said, if, if we had more writing like that in television, it'd be a much better industry. Uh, <laughs> I just, I love that quote. Um, Robert Hewitt Wolf, the guy who actually wrote the episode said, this is one of his best episodes that he ever wrote uh, because it mm-hmm. just, it just sticks around so very much. Um, Matt, I've got one character actor spotlight. I want to talk about tonight. All right. You might think it's Dr. Bashir because this is actually a Dr. Bashir episode, but it's not. Tonight, I want to talk about Garrick, the guy I was just speaking about, Andrew Robinson. 
Andrew Robinson. I love Andrew Robinson in this role. Now, Matt, I don't know how often you've gotten to see Garrick yet. How, how many times would you say you've seen Garrick so far? I know this is at least two. Have you seen him more? I was thinking I've seen him two before this. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe another. Um, you, we're going to see him a lot because he, he turns up in 37 different episodes of Deep Space Nine over the course of its run. Which okay. divided out. So, so yeah, I, I I will say that you know there's the moment in here where he he could have died. Uh-huh. And I'm like, you know, I could see them letting him die, but I remember Brent being a little more excited about this character. Yeah. So I'm guessing this is probably not it. It seems too early. <laughs> Unless we really just skip that many episodes, or he really just likes this episode that much that it's like, man, I love him just for that episode. I'm like, eh, I don't know, maybe. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, I was pretty sure he was coming back. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, uh, yeah, he's definitely back. 37 episodes kind of is enough to make him at least one of the main, he's may not be a main cast member. He doesn't get his picture on the cover of the DVD, but maybe he's on a still clip from the back of the DVD like <laughs> that. That's sort of the importance of, of the character of Garrick. Um, now Andrew was born in 1942 as it were on Valentine's day. Okay. Which I thought okay. just thought was I don't usually name anybody's uh, birthdays, but I just thought that that was something. He's from New York, New York City. He grew up and got his BA in English. And really, Matt, what can you do with a BA in English? Not much. Teach go, English. Go into drama. He can go into drama, and that's what he did. He he graduated with his BA in English, and he wound up going to the London Academy for Music and Dramatic Arts all the way over in England. No mention of any Shakespearean training, but you're going to a dramatic school in London. I assume there's Shakespeare training involved in that uh, as so often happens in Star Trek. Oh yeah. It's just the basic coursework. They don't mention it. Yeah, exactly. Now Robinson's big claim to fame is that he starred as the Scorpio killer opposite Clint Eastwood in the dirty Harry movie. The very first one. I don't know if you've ever seen that. That was a little bit before your time. It was actually a little bit before my time. Yeah, but my dad was a big fan of Clint Eastwood. And so I've seen a few of them. Yeah. So shout out to Matt's dad, who I know listens to every episode. Uh, Shout out to you. That is Andrew Robinson playing Garrick. Uh, So fun little little deal there. Um, It was a role that he played so convincingly, though, Matt. He actually received real life death threats because of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Now, Robinson was in a lot of 70s and 80s and 90s television as guest actor roles. Um, He continued all the way through the 90s doing guest appearances on lots of other shows, including Star Trek. But it wasn't the only work that he was doing at the time during the 90s. In the early 90s, he wound up setting up his own theatrical production company where he served as both writer and director on several productions. He would also go on to direct three episodes of Star Trek, not really going through the Star Trek director school as much as he just had that as an experience. Um, One episode will be in Deep Space Nine. He'll direct two episodes of Voyager. I'm not sure if we're going to watch any of those yet. We'll find out as we get through. He also wrote a few of the Star Trek novels that are out there, like the little pocket books that they have. So he's pretty into the the world. Now, post Trek, Robinson has continued to do his guest star thing, although it's become a lot less frequent uh, since the two since the early 2000s. He's also a regular on the Star Trek convention circuit. So, Matt, when we do finally go, you might actually get to meet him or see him out there. Uh, He appears in the Deep Space Nine documentary, What We Left Behind, giving us lots of insight into the character of Garrick and what they what he felt, um, uh, what he felt about the character and what he felt about about Deep Space Nine as a whole. Today, though, Matt, and I just discovered this, I did not know that this uh, existed until I started doing my notes for this show. 
you can actually catch Andrew Robinson reprising his role as Elam Garrick on the series Alone Together, A Deep Space Nine Companion, which is a four-part series of fan fiction that was written by a Canadian high school teacher and is posted on Alexander Siddig, who is the guy who plays Dr. Bashir, is posted on his website, Sid City, S-I-D-C-I-T-Y, SidCity.net for anyone who wants to go out there and watch it. And basically it features the actual actors from Deep Space Nine on a Zoom call reading the script <laughs> and performing and acting it out that way. But they're they're basically oh, yeah. like doing a table read of Man. this fanfic show that is set so many years later after Deep Space Nine finishes and brings a lot of these characters back together. And and like I know I I saw uh Dr. Bashir is there, obviously, because it's it's on his thing. Andrew Robinson obviously is there. Nana Visitor is there as Kira. I think I saw Andrew Shimmerman is there, Armin Shimmerman, who's there as Quark. Um, no word on Cisco. I I, I didn't see him. Uh Sirik Lofton, who plays Jake Cisco, is is a part of that. Um and this is something that was recorded and produced during the 2020 COVID-19 pandemic. Okay. Like, so that's just to give you a, a timeline for, for when that would have, would have done, but that's, well, yeah, well, I, I figured when you mentioned the zoom thing, like, yeah, uh, I figured that you know, like, that's what everybody's doing nowadays. So right. Right. It, it, it makes sense. But uh, you, you had me for a minute because you're like SidCity.net. I'm like, that's a nineties domain name. If I ever heard one. <laughs> right. Well, his, his name is Alexander Siddig. I, like I yeah, get yeah. it. Yeah, I yeah. get it. But yeah. Sid city and then dot net in particular. Oh yeah. Like, man, that's, that's stretching things. <laughs> well, there it is. So if anybody's interested, Matt, I promise you, as soon as I'm done with this, I'm going to go over and watch that because I want to know, I want to see it. If, if it was, if the actors thought that that was written well enough to script it out and, and, you know, perform it, you know, it was part of their, uh, everybody stuck at home because most people were quarantined for a time. So let's provide some entertainment out there. Like it was part of them doing that. But if they thought it was good enough to actually do something like that, I I'm interested for sure enough to go see this written by a Canadian high school teacher. So anyway, there you go, Matt, with that said, it's time to go through the episode, the wire. We'll go act by act, Matt. You stop us. You talk to us about what stood out to you. What questions did you have along the way? What did you like? What didn't you like? And uh, we'll we'll go from there. The Wire. Prologue. Garrick and Dr. Bashir are having lunch again, this time discussing the merits of Cardassian literature when Bashir notices something is not quite right with Garrick, medically speaking. Garrick is having a brief moments of pain and can't concentrate and is all kind of fidgety. When Bashir wants to escort Garrick to the infirmary, Garrick becomes extremely flippant and excuses himself from the good doctor's company. Yeah, when they started talking about literature, I, I wasn't sure where this was going. And I'm glad it didn't stick around. I'm glad that was not the focus <laughs> of this episode. Right. That was just our little introductory filler. It's like, hey, we're going to have a conversation now. What should we talk about? Oh, literature. Sure. Mm -hmm. Cardassian literature, nonetheless. But... We need them talking about something stupid and inane just to make it seem like life is moving on as normal. Yeah. Yep. Until this, this happens. It's just yeah. Everyday life on the station. Yep. 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 I get it. But you, you mentioned the name of the episode again. Uh -huh. and it got me thinking. I don't know that I understand why it's called the wire. Because he has that wire in his brain. The thing that's it was a wired that that's all it was it. Mm -hmm. that, that, that's the reference. Yeah. It's the thing that's in okay. his brain. Yeah. Yeah. That, well, I think they talked about an implant a lot. Whenever they talk yeah. about implant, I mean, like I picture a little like uh cube or something, some, or a microchip or something like that. I don't necessarily picture just a wire. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's what I've, that's, 
Now that you say that, I've never stopped to think about what was actually in his brain, but that's what I've always assumed it was, was an actual like wire. That's the thing that was in his brain the whole time. So yeah, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to say that I'm absolutely unequivocally right. You're the expert. You've seen him 47 <laughs> times. So I, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with that impression in my head, just having watched it so many times that that is right. Cause I'm not looking it up right now to make sure. So yeah, the wire, it was a little wire in his brain. Perfect. Act one, Dr. Bashir is flummoxed over Garrick's behavior. Despite having weekly lunch together with him for over a year, Bashir says they're still not really friends. Oh, no, no, of course not. So, so there later that night, Bashir spots Garrick and Quark privately discussing a, um, shall we call it a business transaction? But when Julian questions Quark, Quark is a little less than forthcoming. The next day, Quark calls the doctor to his bar where Bashir finds a very drunken Garrick making a big old scene. He gets more and more stressed and more and more upset until he completely collapses to the floor. So there's a lot more action in these scenes than I even really took notes about. Like I'm mm-hmm. looking back on my notes here and saying like, wow, they, they just kind of kept things moving and didn't really get to the point of things until later in the episode. Mm-hmm. Like this is pretty straightforward. Like the, one of the biggest notes I have here is Dr. Bashir is not a botanist, but Dax has a sick plant. I want to talk about that. Yeah. I, I, I like one, I love that plant. And two, I was kind of hoping that's, that's the direction this episode was going, but <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so a couple of things about that. Like one, did you catch the reference to, to professor O'Brien? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You, you know who they're talking they, 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 about now, right? Well, well, she, she did mention then right after that Keiko and yeah. I'm, I, cause she said, prof- or he said, professor O'Brien. Right, I think, and I'm like, wait, he's a professor. Like, mm. oh no, the wife got it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know where she is right now? They they said she was on Rigel Four yeah. at like a convention or something. Right. Right. Yeah. That remember the writing team, like they, they didn't always want to have Rosalind Chow around because she wasn't part of the main <laughs> cast. Right. She, she was just a guest yeah. actress. So they always had to sort of come up like, wait, Bashir's or, or, or O'Brien's married to this girl and they have a child. Like, where is the child and his wife like all the time when they're not around? <laughs> like, so they they kind of track that sometimes. And and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that when when we uh, when we get there. But what Dr. Bashir said, and he said it so smooth, you might not have picked up on it, but he, we got a really good, I'm a doctor, not a joke. <laughs> now, Matt, you're familiar with it. It, it strikes me. I don't know yep. that we've ever really talked about this on beat me up. You're familiar no, I think, with I, this. I think Damn it, Jim, I'm up, a doctor, yeah. not a fill in the blank. Yes. And oh man, I forget where it was. I think I ran across that, like someone mimicking that or mocking that in some other show. And I don't, I don't think I texted you about it, but like I caught it and I'm like, ha, I get that. <laughs> so we, we, we get the, I, I always love it when the other doctors, you know, pull out that old bones line of damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor. No, I'm a doctor, not a botanist, <laughs> you know? So my, much like the rules of acquisition, Matt, my plan is at least when we run across these, I'm, I'm going to point them out uh, because they're fun. They're, they're just fun. And I will tell you, I don't mind saying this. The, the doctor in uh, Voyager got the role because he did that in his audition. <laughs> like he brought that as part of his audition. And, and it's not the only reason he's a super great sure, actor. Sure. Um, but it, it is something that they go back to with his character a lot through the series. And it's hilarious every time. 
So anyway, it's just, it's a kind of a running inside joke to, to all Trekkies. So anyway, yeah, this show is not about the botanist though. So then it becomes a little bit more obvious because we revisit Garrick once again. Uh-huh. And this time he's interacting with Quark, which is cool. I like Quark. Mm-hmm. It's weird though. Actually, no, it wasn't weird. It felt very natural mm-hmm. when Bashir approached Quark then and like instantly he had a cover story. Right. And like, yeah, you could tell he wasn't being quite truthful, but for anyone who didn't know Quark, it could have come off as, yeah, this is what he was looking for. Sure. Quark's good, but, you know, we know him well enough to know when he's being all Mm -hmm. shady. I did like Bashir's resourcefulness, though, trying to dig into Garrick's past, trying to get his medical records, calling in Chief O'Brien and trying to, like... That was another weird thing too. It's like, how long is that going to take? Two to three weeks. And I'm so used to whoever's in charge telling the engineers, no, do it faster. Mm -hmm. And no, he's like, oh, well, I guess there goes that plan. (laughs) He just gives up on it. I'm like, no, no, no. You you tell the engineers they need to do it faster than that. That, Mm -hmm. That's how this works. And you get it in like two hours. At two, three weeks. Really? You can't do any faster? I can go to you in about an hour or two. <laughs> That's more <laughs> like make, it. Thanks. Let me make some phone calls. Right. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, Bashir eventually gets what gets what he wants when Garrick just collapses and mm-hmm. well, then he has no choice. Now, now, I get now to, you got to take him to the infirmary. <laughs> now I get to inspect him. He's unconscious. He has no say. <laughs> um, one one quick note before we move on. The drink that Garrick is drinking in this scene. Yeah. Did you make a note of the name? They they drink it here and they drink it at the end as uh, well. Canar. Uh, Canar. It's called Canar. Canar will be one of those. It's it's it, it's a food beverage in the future that will be a thing that keeps getting brought up again and again, particularly when we're talking about Cardassians. It's a Cardassian say, drink. It, yeah, it felt like it was Cardassian. Yeah, yeah. It's, like a, it's that, a Cardassian That's what drink. Garrick went for every time. Yeah. Like other people didn't necessarily... Oh, because oh, it was at the end when when he's with uh, Tane or whatever uh-huh. that yep. that Tane ha- has the canar as well. Right. Right. Now yeah. here, it was kind of like a, a very viscous, uh, bluish color, mm-hmm. you know, very fluidy. They, they make a lot of blue drinks, I've noticed. They do. So here's like, the thing. Like, isn't like the Romulan ale, I think, is blue. It is. And- yeah, it is. It is. Uh, Kanar will eventually go on to become a very dark brown, very muddy, very, very thick <laughs> drink. Okay. It is. It is supposed to be the same thing they just it it just changes in the production world in the prop world uh here rel- relatively soon actually i think but uh yeah it, this is i point this out because for people out there that follow the ractaginos and the various foods and the tea earl gray hot and canar this is an example of when they didn't quite have it figured out but this was the first time they ever talked about canar on the show okay so anyway i point that out just sort of as a behind the scenes Let's move on. Act two down in the infirmary. Dr. Bashir has completed his exam and has discovered an implant in Garrick's brain. That's been there for years. Neither he nor Odo have any idea what it's about, but Quark seems to. So they agree to eavesdrop on Quark's late night calls and see if they can figure it out. Sure enough, later that night, Quark contacts an old Cardassian friend and asks for the instructions for a piece of biotechnology. But when the Gull researches it, it trips an alert. This piece of technology has been classified by a group called the Obsidian Order, 
And just the name makes the Cardassian, Quark, and Odo all a bit jumpy. They're the intelligence and black ops arm of the Cardassian government, and they keep tabs on everyone. In the infirmary, Garrick has flown the coop. I've seen enough sci-fi to know that, yeah, when you grasp your forehead or your temple and kind of wince in pain and then eventually you fall over like yeah it's some kind of implant mm-hmm. i could have told you that it's not just a headache or something like something's going on in there right so i wasn't surprised about that i was a little surprised that neither bashir or odo knew what it was or why it was there or what it was doing they they both think it's like this punishment device and mm-hmm. it's like it, they just have no idea really which for all their scanners and sensors and they, they can't figure out what's right in front of them Mm-hmm. I greatly appreciate that Odo monitors all of Quark's subspace communications. <laughs> As he should. That, <laughs> that, yes, it's the most Odo thing. <laughs> like, because Bashir even asked him, like, is that legal? It's like, I, I don't remember exactly what he said, but basically came down to like, would you rather that I didn't mm-hmm. or something like that? Or don't right. you think I should? Matt, can we, like, can we please put this phrase on a t-shirt? It's the most Odo thing ever. Like, or just, <laughs> just anytime something, I just, you know, that's the most Odo thing ever. Like, can we please make that a thing? Cause that'd be awesome. I'm in. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> it's man. Odo is good. I like Odo. Uh huh. So yeah, then they Just get into this wait. mysterious obsidian order yeah. stuff going on. Yeah. And when they first mentioned it, I thought, okay, this is going to be a thing. This is going to be around for a while. Mm-hmm. After hearing more about it, and after this episode, I'm I, I'm not entirely sold that it'll be around for a while, but it could. Okay. It, I will. I will tell you this. I will confirm this. The Obsidian Order has never been mentioned on Deep Space Nine before or any mm-hmm. other Star Trek. Like this is the, how, this is the very first time they've ever talked about the Obsidian. For Order. how much they explained it, mm-hmm. it felt like a first time, right? Because yeah, the, the the way they start explaining it, it's like they're the eyes and ever vigilant eyes eyes and ears of the Cardassian Empire. I can't help but admire their efficiency, which is <laughs> Odo. I love you, um, but the Romulan tell Shi'ar can't compete with them and like they get into this whole thing and it's like okay this must be drawing comparison to something going on somewhere or something that like all these competing intelligence agencies right and like okay so the Romulans are supposed to be what what do we usually say the Rom- we have them nailed down on something right as a like a like a people group yeah are they the Russians sure yeah yeah let's call them the Russians yeah that's probably their 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 stuff is modeled more after the Romans, but okay. yeah, it, yeah, they they would be the political equivalent of the Russians. Yeah, like, like I'm just trying to figure here. Like, so we have like the Cardassian intelligence, and then the mm-hmm. Romulan intelligence, and then I mean, you assume the Federation has some form Starfleet of intelligence. intelligence. Yeah, Starfleet it, it, intelligence. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but Starfleet intelligence, though, Matt, is not as is not as as secretive and as dirty mm-hmm. and as imposing and big brotherish as at least that's what they claim. At least that's what they claim, right? Right. At, not as much as the Taushar or the the uh, Obsidian Order. By the way, well, those are all th- those are already written as you know more secretive, more diabolical civilizations. Right. So, by the way, in a, a deleted scene for this episode, uh, we actually there, it was a it was a Cisco scene, and we find out that 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 uh benjamin um he had a he had a run-in with the tal shiar um a long time ago and um 
It, it was, it was, he had had, he had served at the Federation embassy over on Romulus way early in his career. And he had befriended a Romulan member of the, the kitchen staff. And later that member of the kitchen staff was arrested by the Tal Shiar for political improprieties. And Cisco like wanted to go to the Tal Shiar headquarters and try to get him released and like go like black ops and get his friend out. But it was Curzon Dax who convinced him to not go. Right. Okay. Um, so it, it was, like I said, it was just a little extra scene, a little extra uh, Cisco and Curzon connection, but, you know, showing that Cisco has some, ties to other secretive black ops, you know, orders, uh, showing that, but obviously they deleted it and for good purpose for time reasons. And, and it just ultimately didn't matter in the show, you know, but, uh, sure. yeah, yeah. Tal Shiar. Now we've heard, definitely heard of the Tal Shiar before over on next generation. I don't know that we have encountered it in our run mostly because I knew we were going to come up against it here in, in deep space nine. Um, or we would talk about it here when we got to the wire. Uh, but yeah, the, the Tau Shiar is the thing. They basically run. Oh, no, no. We absolutely have come up with the Tau Shiar over in, in Next Generation. Um, uh, Sila, you remember her? She's the daughter of Denise Crosby, the actress. Um, uh, she's played by Denise Crosby, the daughter of Tasha Yar. Yeah. Remember yeah. that? Like, like she's kind of the half Romulan, half human. Always hung out in the shadows. Yeah, exactly. That she was like leading the Tau Shiar, one of the high ranking members of the Tau Shiar. Okay. Definitely did not remember that. Yeah. 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 So uh, that was, uh, we have encountered the Tau Shiar before and that whole, oh, that was unification, right? Unification one and two um, where they were trying to get Spock and, and have like robot Spock go out and, and, or hologram Spock, I guess. Anyway, We've, we've definitely encountered the Tau Shiar obsidian order. I think the obsidian order is a lot more, um, secretive. And like, if you had to send up the, the, the obsidian order versus the Tau Shiar, I'm mm-hmm. probably putting my money on the, on the obsidian order. Just so you know. Well, yeah, they have a better name anyway. They do. It's a great name. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, wh- wh- when we get to the end of this w- with, with Tane and how mm-hmm. prepared he is, even though he claims to be retired, like mm-hmm. that tells you something right there about right. the order. Yeah. I, yeah. Great respect for the order. <laughs> if that <laughs> makes sense. Right. I, I'm kind of like, Oh no, you can't help but admire their efficiency. Right. Sure. Sure. Um, and, and obviously by the way, the goal reacts to it, you understand like it's a bad organization. <laughs> you oh, don't want to yeah. get messed up in these guys. Yeah, He's like, Oh yeah, don't worry. This should be no problem. What have you done? My career is over. Yeah. Like, okay. That, that someone flipped a switch. Right. Right. It, it always reminds me of that scene from back to the future too, which I don't know if you've seen that, but it, there's, there's I've a scene seen that many times. Yeah. Like when, when old Marty McFly, like scans his card with the guy on the video machine. And like, as soon as like the call hangs up, like his Japanese boss is like McFly. I just monitored that scan you interfaced. You're fired. And like it, it reminds me of that. Like he's like, no, I'm okay. fired. Okay. I'm fired. Anyway. Not track yep. at all. It just reminds me of that scene. Technology, man. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, act three. Dr. Bashir bust in on Garrick with the proverbial needle in the arm, having just taken a rather large dose of space tranquilizer, which he can barely feel at all. Garrick insists that there's nothing Bashir can do for him. A few more ticks and labored breathing, and Garrick goes down to his knees again. Bashir tells Garrick he knows about the implant. Garrick finally fesses up. 
This implant was given to him by Nabrantain himself, the head of the Obsidian Order, and it is designed to stimulate the pleasure centers of the brain in the event of torture. But Garrick has been using it nonstop for the last two years now, and he's become dependent upon the drug. I, I mean, the endorphins, and he just can't turn it off. Garrick says he's getting what he deserves, but Bashir refuses to hear it. So finally, Garrick tells his backstory, how as a gull, he committed atrocities, killing 97 Cardassian civilians and his own aide named Elam just to take out a few Bajoran prisoners who had escaped. But when one of the victims was the daughter of a Cardassian official, he was sent into exile on Deep Space Nine. Bashir doesn't believe it, but he still needs to treat his patient. And that's one reason I love Bashir. He is a doctor through and through and Mm -hmm. will put patients first every time. Mm -hmm. But Garrick here, man, as soon as they walked in and you see him with the needle or the hypo hypo spray you need to know what that's called that's a hypo spray yeah yeah i i know we've seen it before and i've gotten the name before and Mm -hmm. like when he said it i'm like oh i've heard that before but i I, i'm not quite there on remembering it Mm -hmm. but as soon as i saw that i'm like okay i completely understand what he's doing first we 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 see the alcohol now we see the drugs Mm -hmm. he's trying to numb the pain right that's what he's doing he's trying to numb the pain Especially when he tells you like, yeah, I can barely feel this. I'm like, okay, dude, you've been doing this for way too long. Right. Right. But I love how they go on to describe this. And it's like, he kind of laughs when it's like, oh, you think it's punishment device? Well, I guess that's kind of what it's become. Uh (laughs) It's like uh, the technology, though, is something that, man, if governmental powers haven't figured this out already and haven't told us, which I would fully believe is possible. Mm-hmm. I have to believe someone somewhere in some lab is working on this because this is one of those things that feels like it should be possible. Uh-huh. Like I think we've had this discussion a little bit. There are, there are some things I see in sci-fi and in Star Trek and all this stuff that, that I'm like, okay, yeah, you're dreaming. Mm-hmm. But then every once in a while you run across one of these things and it's like, man, I've never considered that, but I think that should be possible. This is one of those things. Sure. I think that should be possible. Now it's at least plausible, right? Like yeah, you would think yeah. it would be. Yeah. It, 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 it's definitely as we see here could easily go wrong, mm-hmm. but it's one of those things just for very specific uses uh, on a very limited amount of people. Like that's what I'm saying. They're going to keep a hush hush if they ever figure it out. Right. Can you imagine and, if Captain Picard had had this when he was going through his torture with uh, the the Cardassians? He, he would have se- seemed maniacal. Like, because right. I mean, they'd be torturing him and right. he'd just be laughing his head off. And it's like, oh, give me some more of that, man. Right. I mean, it, 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 it just, it, it would turn everything on its head. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, but what are you going to do with that? But the, the, the most impl- implausible thing about this, I think, uh-huh. is that Garrick was able to develop a device to trigger this thing on his own. Like, that seems like the strangest thing. Hey, you know what the device I, is, don't you? Because it, it's it's triggered by pain, right? Like like torture pain. He just put torture, a thumb. Yeah. T- he just put a thumbtack in his shoe and he just steps on it. That's, <laughs> that's all it is. Oh. I, I, yeah. 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 It, they had to get it there somehow, right? Future oh, tech. Yeah, 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 I get it. I mean, I mean, yeah. 
but I mean, eventually he says like, this might be later on, but it's like every day has been torture living here on this station. I'm like, okay, they could run with that too. Mm -hmm. But what I found most interesting about what Garrick says here is that he tells us he was a gull. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm like, cause I've had questions about this before and like, what is a gull and who is a gull? And it's like, Oh, okay. So yeah. I mean, kind of knew was some kind of ranking thing already, but to find out that Garrick was even one and then obviously demoted uh-huh. to, to some extent, like it, that that's interesting. I would now, not have expected that from, well, okay. Let's from, from the other goals that I've met, I would not uh-huh. have expected Garrick to be a goal. So, so let, let's play this forward. You know, the ending of the story, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you think Garrick ever really was a goal? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't, by the way, I, to okay. me, the, the, this whole story about, killing the 97 Cardassians, him being a gull committing these atrocities, like all of that stuff is completely made up by him. It's all made up. I, I, I I don't know that he did all that stuff, but of all the details that are thrown in there, Mm -hmm. like him being a gull like that, why, why would he bother mentioning that otherwise? Well, because it, well, again, he, you, you later understand that, that Garrick is a part of the obsidian order, right? So or at least I he claims to where, be, he at least well, claims I, to be a part of the obsidian like order. I, yeah. I, it, it, if, if he said that specifically, I missed it later when Odo came in and wanted to question him again, uh-huh. because he was part of the obsidian order. I'm like, wait, where did we find out that? Like, like, like that felt to me like mm-hmm. uh, Odo had figured something out and realized, Oh, he's part of the obsidian order. And like, that was the first we were hearing about it. So mm-hmm. I, I was actually kind of confused at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So here's, here's my interpretation of that. Now, part of the fun of this episode is we don't actually know what the truth about Garrick's story is Yep, because he changed it so many times. Right. And he gets yep. to the end and he's like, everything was true. Everything was well, true. So well, I don't know. I mean, maybe, he, he maybe he really so was a goal. Go ahead. And, and, and like the, the biggest thing is, he, 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 the, the bulk of his stories involve these two characters. Oh, him. And, and from and all it, we know yeah. at, at the, at the end, then from Tane is that it's the same guy. Like, was there ever a second guy? And if there's not like that, that's what makes it so confusing. Is this how he quote unquote it, it, killed himself? Last final twist. Yeah. Right. So maybe he was a goal, you know, cause he says it was all true, especially the lies. Like maybe mm-hmm. he really was a goal at some point and, and you know, who knows, but, uh, maybe he, like, I've always kind of wondered, like, uh-huh. do you think he, uh, do we have a full name for like Ducat? I don't believe so. Cause like based on our names, naming structure, based on like the Federation's naming structure, right. Uh-huh. You have captain Picard. So when we say Gull Ducat, uh-huh. then I guess it would be Gull Garrick. Right. So I, yeah, well, that's what they would call him. It'd be Gull Garrick. Okay. Because yeah. my, my thought was maybe something along the lines of like, they called him like Gull Elam. And then when mm-hmm. he wanted to switch, you know, he killed him off and mm. just started going by Garrick. And that's what I was just saying was that Elam was his... Uh, I, Okay, we're not supposed to mention it, but I'm going to think like Anakin, Darth Vader kind of a thing when Darth Vader killed Anakin, Uh like he didn't really kill Anakin, like he killed that part of the personality off, like Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. when whatever was Elam went away and it just became or or maybe a better comparison, Gollum versus Smeagol. 
Sure. Right. Like, like if you reference it kind of like that, like when Gollum killed Smeagol and uh, that's but, all but it was. Just, yeah. Like, it just feels backwards at that point because mm-hmm. like we still have Garrick. And sure. if he was a gull, like that, that, that's what I was trying to get at is like, if their naming scheme was different and mm-hmm. you think like Ducat is actually his first name. Uh-huh. And so gull Ducat, like if they just do it differently over there, so it could have been gull Elam, uh-huh. which I think is less likely now, but yeah, it, it's something along those lines. It, it feels more like, like he wants to forget something that happened. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's saying. Like all of this did happen. I'm telling you that that was someone else, man, that did that. I am not that person. Mm-hmm. So it's all true. Especially the lies. All right. Let's, let's talk about the actual lie that he tells here though. He kills 97 Cardassians just to take out a few Bajoran prisoner escapees. And oops, one of those happened to be the daughter of a high ranking Cardassian official. Mm-hmm. So now he's sent into exile. He did his job, right? And I think there's there's at least something about Cardassian culture we need to discuss here of would you sacrifice 97 civilians to keep well, your prisoners in well, line? Well, well, I mean, here's the thing, though. Uh-huh. Like, at least this is how it plays in my head uh-huh. is he was given the order, you know, we cannot let them escape. Do whatever you need to do. Mm-hmm. And whatever it was in him, it was just like, okay, I need to make this happen as soon as possible. They're on that ship. We're blowing up that ship. Mm-hmm. Not thinking about who else was on it, which I mean, more likely happened with Cardassian, I think than with a, a Federation officer necessarily, mm-hmm. but still it part of me says like he was, yes, he was following his order, but mm-hmm. his order wasn't like super specific. Right. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just take out those five prisoners. It was do whatever you need to do. And he did. He, he took care of the problem, mm-hmm. but he also, there, there, there was a lot of collateral damage with his, with his plan. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily think that he did anything against orders. I, I think he was probably right in saying, yeah, I followed orders, but and the, the powers that be we still weren't happy with the way he handled it then. Well, but I mean, think about it. Like had it not been for the daughter of a high ranking Cardassian official, nothing like that's messed up, right? Like yeah. if, if it wasn't for this one person, it, this would have been fine. Nobody would have batted an eye at it. Well, I, I mean, like that's the impression I, that I'm given anyway I, of Cardassian I, I, culture. I, I, like pe- pe- people might have, you know, the families of the other 96, but no one had enough power to do anything about it. Right. Right. The, the, the powers that be the high, the, uh, do, do they have a high council or something? They, they, they weren't going to care. Right. They were worried about the prisoners that was taken care of. Cool. We're done. Yeah. It's messed up for sure. But that, yeah, that's the way they're structured and they, the higher ups just have all the power and they didn't care. Oh, that doesn't sound familiar at all. Does it Matt? <laughs> all right. Act four. Garrick is back in a coma. And despite Odo's best attempt, Bashir continues to insist that Garrick is his patient first, and he pulls his chief medical officer rank on Odo. Sometime later, Garrick finally wakes up, going through his withdrawal symptoms. Now he's up and he's agitated and he's super pissed off, tossing tables like he's in a temple and monologuing. He goes back to his own story, but this time he changes the ending. Instead of shooting down the escapees, he actually let them get away. His exile is a punishment for not fulfilling his duty. Garrett comes to blows with Bashir until a heart attack stops the whole affair. When Garrett comes to, he changes his story yet again. This time it's the truth. 
Elam wasn't his aide. He was his childhood friend, both equals in the Obsidian Order. But when those prisoners escaped, both men tried to implicate the other, except Elam beat Garrick to the punch. And now that's why he actually got exiled. All Garrick needs before he dies is someone to forgive him. And with that, Bashir takes off to find the man responsible for this whole thing to clear it all up and figure out how to save Garrick. He's looking for a Nobrantane. I said it before. I liked when Bashir took charge and like I said, played the doctor card. He, he won't let Odo in. He's like, nope, he's my patient. I'm taking care of him. No, no one can see him right now. Cool. Uh-huh. That, that's another one. Like you've explained to me, like the chief medical officer kind of has ranks outranks everybody when it comes to medical matters. Sure. You always sure. have to put that asterisk on there. Like fair enough. Yeah. In this case, it was a medical, and matter. It was a medical matter. Yeah. And so he, gets he, he outranked everybody. And like, I yeah. was honestly a little bit surprised that Odo didn't push back more, mm-hmm. but I guess he does have some level of respect for that chain of command too. So right. that's cool. But okay. Th- this is where it gets super confusing with Garrick and Elam, especially if they are one in the same. Mm-hmm. because I like the fact, Matt, I'm sorry. I like the fact that the fact that you just said, especially if they are one in the same. Yep. <laughs> Go ahead. Cause this, this story in particular, it almost seems like th- this is the story I want it to be. Uh-huh. This is a story, you know, he grew up with Elam. They, they became the sons of Tain. They were feared by the gulls, right? Like that seems that's the side story I want. Uh huh. Someone write that if you haven't already. Show me that story, Sons mm-hmm. of Tain. And then, because yeah, then he goes in this whole, like, he, because th- this is where my mind got confused going forward at, at the end. And it's like, well, wait, if they are the same, he tried to blame it on Elam, but Elam beat him to the punch. And so he got blamed. Mm-hmm. Wait, if you're the same, then it, that, that doesn't work because you, you, you tried to blame it on yourself, but you beat yourself to the punch. Okay, sure. Um, not sure what's going on here, but basically just saying you got caught because you were imagining someone. Right. Okay. Your man, your imaginary friend, got you in trouble. Sure. Um, yeah, not really sure what's going on anymore. And honestly, wasn't entirely sure who Bashir was going to see. Mm-hmm. Like, I actually didn't think he was going to see Tane. I, I, I thought Tane was like gone. Mm. I didn't think he was, I at least didn't feel like he should be easily findable. Right. <laughs> I mean, if he, he like the, the only other real, real mention we had was like, he was the head of the obsidian order. I'm like, you shouldn't just be able to walk into this dude's house. Right. <laughs> right. But then when, I mean, well, we'll get into it. Right. Well, with that, why don't we get into it? Act five. Tane seems to have known that Dr. Bashir was coming all along with everything, and he seems to know everything about Dr. Bashir himself. He's the typical intelligence agency chief. There's some pretty witty repartee between Tane and Bashir, but in the end, Tane is going to give Bashir the information he needs to save Garrick's life. Not to help Garrick, but to punish him with a slower death than this. When Bashir inquires about Elam, Tane laughs. He says that Elam is in fact Garrick's first name. A few days later, Garrick is back to his old self, sweet and sickly, denying his sordid past, but as always with a wink and a smile. Bashir wants to know what was true and what wasn't, and Garrick insists that it was all true, especially the lies. The end. The end, eh? But I I, I love characters like Tane that are always one step ahead. They It, it just felt like he could 
actually pull it off. Right. It's like, I, I like, I don't know how, but that just gives you an idea of how good the obsidian order is. Like he mm-hmm. was the head. He may be retired now, but he knew Bashir would be coming. He alerted the military to let him through. He basically let him come into his house because he knew he was coming. He right. had everything prepared for him. He knew his full name, Julian Subatoy Bashir. <laughs> it like, is, okay, by the way, the sure. it is the only time that Julian's middle name is ever going to be mentioned. I'm sure it is. Yeah. Why would we ever need to know that? Well, because no one else could pronounce it after this point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the rest of his name is very pronounceable. Yes, but right. Okay. Uh, he, he knows what he likes to drink. He knows everything about him. And that's what, th- th- this is where I come to love Bashir even more though, mm-hmm. is because he can hold up his end of the conversation, even though Tane is ahead of him, two steps ahead of him. Because mm-hmm. like it gets to the point where he's like, well, what makes you think I have the, the information or the contacts you need? And he's like, well, you just said it. Information is your business. Right. Oh, well played, Bashir. Well played. Oh, so good. Anyway, so is it is it fair to say that for you, like Doctor Bashir in Deep Space Nine, is like your Wesley Crusher? I don't know if he's there yet. Okay. All right. I mean, th- th- this th- right. this is really the most I've ever seen in Bashir. Like he's yeah. been in a few scenes before. Yeah. But I haven't seen a lot of him. Okay. I, on, honestly, if I had to pick out one character that would be my Wesley right now. It's probably Odo. Odo. Okay. Yeah. But r- r- right now I like, I'm liking Bashir. I'm liking Odo. I think I like Dax pretty well too. Okay. So sure. It, it, sure. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how they play out, but yeah, th- th- there's, there's some competition yet. All right. I like it. I like, I like the fact that you are digging the characters and, and you're having, you're having these thoughts, quite frankly. <laughs> um, I, I very much appreciate all of that. So um, yeah. Also, mm-hmm. I, I don't know why I didn't write down who, who actually said this. It must've been Tane. Never tell the truth when a lie will do. Right. Wow. <laughs> like really? Wow. That that's an interesting concept. Uh huh. And if that's how you live your life. Oh yeah. Cause, cause he, he, it was, I think it was about the name. Mm-hmm. Cause he asked him about Elo, I think. And I think that's when he might've pulled it out. Never tell the truth when a lie will do. Right. Or something like that. And it's like, man, they're sneaky. Yeah. And well, he asked about Elam and then he just starts laughing. Mm-hmm. He's just like, <laughs> my dear doctor, Elam is Garrick's first name. What? Yeah. I, uh, when he started laughing in particular, I, my mind started racing and I was trying to figure out, okay, who could it be? D- does, does he actually have a brother? Is but like I, I, I like I went through like every possible situation I could. Uh-huh. Never, never occurred to me that it might actually be. Oh, it's his first name. It's the same guy. Right. Okay. So yeah, we're left with a big mystery. Yep. And Garrett comes back around, and he's fine, and right mm-hmm. back to his old normal self. And who that? The only thing I think we really know is an Aubrantine Obsidian Order, and his name is Elam Garrick. And yeah, that's we, all we, we got. We, we introduced some new concepts right. and some new people. We don't really know anything new. Mm-hmm. And I, that's exactly where you're supposed to be right now, Matt. That's where I am. All right. All right. Well, Matt, that is the wire. So I will put the question to you. Did you like this episode? Would you want to watch it again? Do you understand why maybe this was part of our run? And I think you might have some different answers to all of those. <laughs> Hopefully. It it was okay. I'd probably watch it again. I I, I had some trouble getting through it the first time. Okay. Like it it had its moments, but 
it got rough in, in spots. I like Garrick was getting on my nerves a little bit. I'm like, just, just either kill him off or do something to him. Let, <laughs> let, let, right? let something happen. Just not going back and forth. And mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on. Um, I, I think the ending kind of helped with that a little bit. It's like, Oh, okay. There's mystery. Got it. Um, I think Tane probably helped with that too. Yeah. As for why it's in the run. I mean, like we said, it, it introduced some things, but we didn't, it didn't really go anywhere. Uh huh. We, we, we kind of came right back to where we were. Like it, it's like old star Trek. We, we have to reset for next week's episode. Uh huh. Like we didn't, nothing, nothing changed. Okay. Obsidian order is a thing. Okay. Um, cool. So, I mean, for, for that reason, that'd be my best guess right now is the, the introduction of the obsidian order and seeing that Garrick probably has something to do with it. And Tane, we, I, I'm assuming this is the first time we met him. Maybe the only time if this is, this is the first time we're meeting Tane. And I will tell you, uh, he's played by a guy named Paul Dooley. Um, pretty well-known actor of his day. Uh, he was only contracted for this one episode. This was, this sure. was a one episode uh, a character. However, I will also say that that was the same intention with Andrew Robinson when he made, <laughs> when he did, came in and did the, the role of Garrick uh, and they kept bringing him back. Yeah. So will we ever see Tane again? I don't know. Actually, I do know. I'm not going to tell you, <laughs> but I, I will say this. Know. I hope I, you know, I will say this. It occurs to me, this episode, like several others, I think we've had on the show, but maybe even more so is one of those that like, like one of the things about doing the show, Matt is, is for those of us who've watched Star Trek so much where we know everything that's going on, we can sometimes forget what that first watch was like. And we're seeing that again through your eyes. Like what are the things that are standing out to you? And you kind of get to the end. You're like, yeah, this is okay. Knowing where Garrick's story goes and Mm -hmm. what I, I can't, I can't say that everything is ever fully revealed about Garrick, but we get to, we get more Garrick stuff later. Um, after 37 episodes, you'd have to having that wealth of knowledge and then coming back and watching this episode. Sure. It, it, I think you watch this episode differently when you understand that. I think that's also true. That that episode duet that you really didn't like from season one, (laughs) um, that you probably don't even remember much of right now. You just remember not liking the episode. (laughs) Uh, I think that's one of those especially on a rewatch, you probably appreciate this show, this particular episode a lot more. And I'm glad that you at least like, kind of like this episode. You're like, yeah, I'd watch this one again. I'd want to, I'd want to come back and catch you on a rewatch with this episode. Like this will be, we won't do a podcast on this one. This will just be you and me personally. Like let's catch a rewatch when you're at the end and you, you know, more Garrick. Uh, mm-hmm. Cause it, this is, it's just a fun episode. It's a fun, it's a classic uh, Garrick story. And you're a hundred percent right. When you talk about Bashir that this, this episode in particular is really Bashir taking charge. It's a great Bashir story. Mm-hmm. It really is. And, and I love what they're doing with the character. And uh, obviously Bashir, he's got his face on the DVD cover. His name is in the front opening credits. We're going to get a lot more Bashir as time goes on. So, yeah. All right, Matt. Well, would you like to know what we're watching next? That'd be useful. All right. We are, I mentioned a few weeks ago, just to buckle up because we have a real heavy end of the season here with deep space nine and season two. We're going to the very next episode. (laughs) It's an episode called crossover. Is there a crossover? This is called crossover. And is there? 
crossover. That's all I can say because I'm not giving anything away about this episode. Okay. I really like when you figure out what this episode is, is just about regardless of how you feel about the episode as a whole, just when you figure out what it's about, that's the moment that I want to know. So I want to know what your reaction is as soon as you like, like, I'm just going to ask you why, because we don't watch the episodes together. Mm-hmm. When you're watching the episode, as soon as it gets to that point, just send me a text message or something to be like, <laughs> be, I want that, whatever that initial reaction is. I don't want to tell you what it's going to be. It just, whatever it is. Like, I want to know I'll do what my that best. is. Um, yeah. And I probably just pumped this episode up way more than I should have. Uh, so this episode sucks. Let me just say that it's a horrible episode. No, it's not. I mean, kind of, eh. I just, I, I, yeah. Anyway, I just want to know, so there's no extra viewings this week, Matt. Uh, so I can't, I can't give you anything of that because we're going on to the very next episode, but that is going to do it for us this week here on beam me up. Remember if you guys would like to get in touch with us, you can do that by emailing us to beam me up pod at gmail.com or head over to beam me up pod.com for more ways to contact us. And that spiffy new website, Matt, tell the folks out there where they can get in touch with you out there on the internet. And you can find me over on Twitter or Instagram at as a matter of Matt. You're on Instagram now. I forget about that. Yeah. If you guys want to find that, find me, you can find me on Instagram at Brent Allen live, but I'm also on Twitter and Facebook and the show is at beat me up pod across all those social medias. We'll catch you guys next time. Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper.